Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips, and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Zan Delinare, and today I'll be talking to you about cell confluency and the importance of measuring it accurately. Cell confluency can affect cell behavior and growth, so it's important to accurately and reliably measure it. But what is cell confluency? How do you measure it? And why is it a crucial consideration for your experiments? First, what is cell confluency? An efficient cell culture workflow is vital in many research areas in the life sciences and in the biopharmaceutical industry and involves checking cell confluency. Importantly, cell confluence isn't the same as cell number. Instead, it's defined as the percentage area covered by adherent cells in a culture dish or flask. This is a routine measurement used to track cell proliferation during cell culture. Cell confluence is important for determining timings for splitting or presaging and harvesting cells and for drug treatments or differentiation experiments. Accurate and reproducible measurements are vital for generating high-quality, reliable data. In industry, accurate measurements are especially important for standardizing cell culture protocols for developing and manufacturing cell therapies. But why is cell confluency important? High levels of confluency can dramatically affect cell behavior and culture kinetics. For example, at high confluency, myoblasts and pre-adipocytes can spontaneously differentiate into myotubes and lipid droplet-containing adipocytes, respectively. Differentiation can also affect the proliferative potential of cultures. This means that if cells need to be cryopreserved for later use, they should be frozen at subcritical confluence. This would be 70% from myoblasts, but this value is dependent on the cell line. Let's talk about the effects of confluency on cell health. Cell death can happen at high confluency because nutrients in the media become depleted or cells start competing for space on the culture dish or flask surface. Therefore, if cells are harvested and cryopreserved at a high or critical confluence, many or even all of the cells may die once thawed. If this happens, you might have to use more of your culture stocks and your cells may take longer to grow and reach the required confluence. Either way, this can cause huge headaches and be a massive waste of your time and resources. Now let's talk about drug discovery and confluency. It's also important to consider cell confluency and cell-based drug discovery projects. One of the most important sets of experiments in my PhD relied on using cells at low confluence and treating them with a drug to determine efficacy. It was important to use cells at low confluency to exclude any non-specific effects caused by overconfluent cells and not from the test drug itself. What about the effect on morphology? Cell confluence is also a vital consideration if you're studying cell morphology over time. Some cells may have one morphology at low confluence and a different one at high confluence. For example, NIH3T cells are flat and elongated at low confluence. When they become confluent, i.e. 70-80% confluence, they rearrange into an organized brick-like monolayer which affects other cell characteristics. How do you determine, or how can you determine if your cells are confluent? Given its importance in cell-based experiments, there are various methods for measuring cell confluency. However, currently available techniques are often subjective, complex, destructive, and or time-consuming. Some of these methods are summarized in Table 1, which you can find in the episode notes and in the article. Now, what is meant by the percentages? Cell confluency is typically given as a percentage which refers to the proportion of the culture dish or flask covered by adherent cells like HEC293 cells. For example, if cells are around 80% confluent, 
and one layer of these cells covers 80% of the surface of the culture dish or flask. If you're not experienced in measuring confluency, it can be a difficult guessing game, especially if you're using qualitative visual measurements. Here are some simple rules to help you with this, and you can find graphical representations in the article. 50% confluency is a relatively easy estimation because the area covered by cells should be similar to the area not covered by cells. At 70-80% confluence, cells should still be growing exponentially, but nearing the end of log phase growth. They will cover most of the dish, but gaps are still present. Ideally, cells should be split at this stage because this will improve overall cell viability. Splitting your cells at this stage will also lead to less aggregated cells. These cells will also have a shorter lag time. This is the time taken before cells start logarithmic growth, after they are split and or thawed after cryopreservation. Again, 100% confluence is another simple estimation, because at this stage, the entire surface of the cell culture vessel will be covered by cells with no space visible between them. If cells reach this level of confluence, one of two things will happen. Normal cells have contact inhibition and will rarely reach 100% confluence. Immortalized cells don't have contact inhibition, which means that when they are 100% confluent, they'll squeeze together and crowding will cause cells to reduce to half of their original size. If these cells aren't split, they'll start detaching from the flask surface leading to cell death. Generally, you should avoid letting your cells become overconfluent because they'll start to die off, sometimes very quickly. They may not be recoverable, especially after being stored in the liquid nitrogen for a long time. Read our What's in a Number, Getting the Right Passage in Cell Culture article to learn more about how and when to split your cells. You can find a link to this article in the episode notes. Now let's talk about tools for estimating confluency more accurately. Once you become more experienced in estimating cell confluency by qualitative visual inspection, it will become easier and your measurements will hopefully become increasingly accurate. Nonetheless, automated image-based methods are the gold standard for accuracy, reliability, and reproducibility. Here are some examples of those tools. First, air fraction output. This method uses a simple cardboard cover slip that can be cut to size to fit different culture flasks. Cells are imaged using an inverted phase contrast light microscope, and images are captured with a digital camera equipped with a camera lens adapter. Images can then be analyzed for confluence using the free ImageJ software. The output is a measure of confluence referred to as an area fraction, or AF. Now let's talk about the personalized automated lab assistant, also known as Paula. The Paula from Laker Microsystems can be used on the bench, in the hood, and even in the incubator, allowing you to study your cells in their natural state. In this way, the cells undergo less stress, which is always good. The Paula takes images in seconds, allowing you to check the confluency of multiple flasks of cells in seconds, rather than spending hours at a regular microscope. If you're studying large cell populations with different fluorescent markers, or if you're studying morphological changes over time, the Paula will be useful for you as it supports multifluorescence and time-lapse imaging of cells under physiological conditions in the incubator. For added convenience, the Paula also connects wirelessly to any Windows, iOS, or Android-compatible phone or tablet, allowing you to check the status of your time-lapse in between coffees and experiments. Next, let's talk about the Olympus CKX-53 Culture Microscope and CKX-CCSW Confluency Checker. Cell culture can also be accurately measured using a combination of the CKX53 culture microscope and the CKX CCSW confluency checker software. 
Unlike the polar, cultures need to be taken out of the incubator for imaging, but this method is also non-destructive, meaning there's no need to take samples from your culture flasks. This helps to preserve cells for your downstream work and also limits the risk of contamination, all very important if you have a limited supply of cells for your experiment. Here, the CKX53 microscope can be linked to this Confluency Checker software so you can visually inspect your cells and then capture images in one smooth workflow. The software can then accurately and reproducibly calculate cell confluency. I hope I've given you an insightful overview of the importance of accurately measuring cell confluency. I've given you some examples of tools you can use to achieve this in the lab, but this is by no means an exhaustive list. So that's it for this article on cell confluency and its importance. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your benchside. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In, the podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format. With webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With Listen In, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Listen In in your podcast app to subscribe.